this is Shivangi and you're listening to School from Home. Last week, after having a chat with Bindya, I was quite moved with her inspiring stories and her involvement in Spiti Valley. So in this bonus episode, Bindya is here today to talk to us about the beautiful work that she's doing in the education space over there. I'm glad that we are getting to speak again. Thank you so much for having me again on the podcast. It means a lot. So the last time we spoke, I know that you mentioned this very beautiful thing that you're doing when you spoke about distance adoption. Right. So can you tell our listeners what it means and how you came about getting into it? Well, um, actually, both my husband and I, we've been associated with um, uh, Spiti Valley and various uh, different initiatives over there for a very, very long time, maybe about the past 17 years or so. And for people who don't know or have context about Spiti, uh, Spiti is a cold desert in the upper Himalayas and it borders Tibet. Now, this is a very remote region. It's a tribal region. And uh, until recently, most part of Spiti would remain cut off from the rest of the world for at least six months in a year because of the geography and it would literally the valley would be snowed in and there was no proper connectivity at all the education system also over there happens to be quite uh, weak and not widespread a lot of villages have very tiny populations because the entire population of spiti valley is about uh, 12 to 13000 currently so it didn't make sense for the government to open schools in places which were really remote with very small uh, number of people and therefore even smaller number of students who would be attending school. A long time ago, I think about uh, possibly 12 to 13 years ago, we had very close friends. Uh, We've always had them in Spiti. And one of them who was a very senior monk and who'd been in the monastery from the time that he was about three years old, and spent a good uh, four decades of his life in the monastery, happened to lose his brother and his parents. All of them, they committed a farmer's suicide because they owed some 40,000 rupees that they couldn't pay back. So the entire family hung themselves. And there were um, four kids who were left, really, really small kids who were left um, without anything or anyone or any support system. So our friend, uh, who was a monk, he left the monastery immediately and he decided to go back and help these children and take care of them. But he didn't know how to survive outside the monastery because he only knew that life from the age of three and he became a casual laborer and then later on got a temp job uh, in a school, but it wasn't enough to uh, support the uh, the kids. So that's when we decided that um, why not adopt these kids in a manner of speaking? but not in the traditional way. We didn't want to do that at all. We were very clear that we wanted to support these kids. We wanted to educate these kids. We wanted to bring them to adulthood where they were in a capacity to support themselves, but without at any point letting them know that we were doing that for them because of various factors, such as firstly, had they known that we were their primary um, distant adopt adopters, you know, the parents or sponsors, whatever you call it, they instantly would also have lesser respect for their own uncle who is now bringing them up. Children start losing respect for their own culture 
thank you for sharing this story with us i feel what you have you know pointed out here is something very worth uh, stressing on so uh, can you share some tips with how you know parents could help instilling these values in their children today for me the goal of education primarily should be empowerment and mm-hmm. what this means that students should not just be taught pre-existing concepts but also and very importantly the ability to ask the right questions to think for themselves to gain a deeper understanding of themselves of their communities and then the world at large of course we somehow need to layer not only the conversation about diversity but also that how do we be become proud about our own cultural heritage however mainstream or not it may be so one of the ways is to do this through conversations in school through uh, you know to through trips and projects that can happen in these different places and also very importantly on a community and a parent level talking about remote villages i would like to take this opportunity to shed some light on how education is conducted and received in one of the most remotest villages in india demul village which is located in spiti valley right. so tell us a little bit about this school and your association with it the school in demul it's called the kunsal primary school again now demul as a village has a fairly large population there were a larger number of kids over here so it made sense to think about setting up a primary school so that these children could at least get their basics in education primary education in place so by the time they become 6 or 7 and they decide to their parents decide to send them to school all the way in kaza that they get mainstream more easily with the other students because they already have that foundation of the education with them in their own village level now the sapun foundation is a local foundation and uh, all the stakeholders are locals over there because we believe that initiatives like this work much much better when the locals are involved because they have a better understanding of their communities and uh, they have a direct interest in seeing them flourish the foundation is supported uh, by the monastery by the main monastery in kaza and um, there's a monk uh, over there who's extremely progressive and who feels very passionately about uh, education he in fact um, is the person who's got his boots on the ground and who helps pull all the strings together to you know keep the functioning of the school going the idea behind it was that we take a small building in the village itself and employ people from the village who already got a certain level of education i hope you know uh, people who are listening can help and contribute and enable these kids education in some way which is meaningful and you know helps yeah. them creating an impact with that i would you know want to learn from you that one quality about the village folk in spiti that touched your heart the most so you know the people of spiti are so special and they have so many wonderful qualities um but if you'd ask me the top one quality that shines out all the time it's their generosity of spirit now most of them are not people who have uh, a lot of finances and you know wealth in that sense but at the same time no matter who you are whether you're a stranger or someone they know they're so happy to share whatever they have with people 
I would also like to, you know, ask you that, you know, that one myth about spitty that you could bust for outsiders. So I think the primary myth, and it's really fascinating because it got uh, busted for a lot of people recently, is the way uh, that all the Spithians have managed the COVID crisis. Even though in, in the remotest villages, there's no communication whatsoever. They don't have any television, mobile phones, nothing. But the community came together so, so beautifully. And even before the lockdown was rolled out in any place in India, Spiti was the first place to get together and say that we are locking ourselves in. We don't want anybody coming into our valley. They're in high altitude. There are already lots of breathing problems that happen over there. And there's a lot of um, uh, the population which is very old. So it's very vulnerable and there's no health care available. So they decided that um, it doesn't matter if we miss the tourist season, because that's one of the major streams of income now for many people in Spiti. But um, we'll miss it because what's more important is the health of our entire community rather than money and for that they were all willing to go back to their ancient practices of being completely self-sustained and living on whatever they could get from the land that it was community before self and that it was wellness before money definitely you know it almost makes me think about like how not all knowledge is wisdom you may know a lot but you may not be wise their wisdom comes from the land, it comes from nature, it comes from uh, just being there and having endured so much physical hardship simply because of the way the geography of the place is. You know, we never learned about Spiti Valley in school. We learn so much about the Himalayas, but we don't learn about the cultures that exist within the Himalayas. We just learn about the ranges and, you know, the youngest ranges and all that. But if we could know a little more about the context in school, it would give us so much more of a holistic view about just beyond the physical landscape. It would make us understand and appreciate even the landscape so much more and how landscapes determine communities and how communities navigate landscapes. It's a beautiful interrelation. I've always believed that it's the best teacher is travel. There is nothing that can teach you as much about life, about people as travel can. Wow, that is lovely. That's a beautiful thought to end our uh, discussion today. Thank you so much, Bindya, for coming to the show again. Thank you, Chivangi, for having me. It was really lovely chatting with you. 